so I just decided, you know, sloth grip should be a thing um, before I knew what it was and then started piecing together, well, what would that look like? Uh, so the things that I knew um, was that I wanted it to be in the world of climbing uh, and I wanted it to have a legitimate purpose, whatever that was at whatever size I could make it. From Alda, this is the Protect Your Wild podcast, a show about founders, athletes, and influencers, and how their passion for the environment has led to their actions and career paths today. I'm Colin Campbell, and this week I'm having a chat with Kevin Grinnell, the founder of Sloth Grip. They're a climbing lifestyle brand whose mission it is to help save those cute-ass sloths. If you want to show them some love, use code ALDASLOTHS for 20% off your order at slothgrip.com. Enjoy. Today, I'm here with our special guest, Kevin Grinnell of Sloth Grip. Hey, thanks for having me on, Colin. Yeah. Excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to to chat with you because you're combining two of my favorite things, which are climbing and helping out the environment. Um, So I guess for starters, just tell me a a little bit kind of about your background with with climbing and nature and how that led to sloth grip here. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, climbing and nature, I'm a big fan of both. Uh, I'll start with I'll start with climbing because that one's actually relatively I don't know if you'd say recent, but uh, I've actually only been climbing a little over three years ago. So I I had just moved to Brooklyn. I'm originally from Michigan, so I grew up, you know, lakes, bonfires, yeah. being outdoors quite a bit. For sure. Um, and I moved to Chicago for a little while and then moved to New York where, where we have some lakes and some nature, but it's a little bit harder to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Just after getting here, I watched Valley Uprising on Netflix. <laughs> yes, it's so fantastic. Like uh, immediately, I, I actually went to REI before I went to the gym and bought shoes. I I'd never climbed before, and I just yeah, I saw that. I thought, oh, these these are my people. This is my thing. Um, yeah, because yeah, I grew up I grew up skateboarding, and then you get to a point where your knees and your back can't take it. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, so. So I, I got some shoes. I went to the gym, uh, got a year membership on day one and just kind of fell hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so climbing is still still pretty new to me because I've done, you know, I'm, I'm there four to five times a week uh, indoors. And then I've done some bouldering around New York, Central Park. And I go visit friends in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Um, if you come out here, you got to let me know, dude. Out in uh, yeah. I live in Boulder. So I'm lucky enough. We got Boulder Canyon with about 150 plus sport routes, um, yeah. 15 minutes away, and then we got a uh, Flagstaff with like 150 plus bouldering problems, like 15 minutes away. It's 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 a dream. Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna take you up on that. I, Absolutely, man. I love making it out there. I think I think one day we will. Uh, we we have a few years left here here in New York, but <laughs> yeah. uh, heading out west in in some some fashion is going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. How was that transition over to to Brooklyn though, coming from kind of an outdoorsy background? Like I I always find it hard myself imagining moving to a city. So yeah, it was, I mean, not going to lie. It was a challenge, uh, partially because when I moved out here, um, I was working a traveling job. I was a consultant. And so I was gone every week, meaning that I didn't have enough time to at least, you know, learn New York. You can learn Chicago in a couple months. Um, it's not that it's it's a pretty manageable city. New York is wild. Where I was here for, I mean, I was lost for the first year. Um, just I would I would make it a goal to uh, not pull out my phone just on a regular trip into the city. It's a good way to do uh, it. And like would fail for a year straight. Like oh well, I'm I'm lost. Uh, and it also, it just, it, there's a lot of stimulation here. So you're just always walking by people, mm-hmm. um, a lot of noise, a lot of things going on. I, I think I've adjusted to it because once you find the places and the people and the things that you like, like I, I found some friends here who, yeah. Yeah. you know, they have a car and we go play Frisbee um, or spike ball or something in the park. Uh, 
so I, I get my hits of nature in bursts here. Um, but it's definitely different. You know, I, I try to go back to Michigan once or twice a year to see the family and just, uh, be somewhere quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Less car yeah. horns, less people. <laughs> I think it, you know, it also, it made me realize how much I appreciated that. So I, I would say if, you know, moving somewhere that you're uncomfortable is a great experience. So yeah. Yeah, I got here. I didn't realize how much I liked the outdoors until it was a lot harder to get to. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, I guess coming coming out of that, then how how did that newfound passion for climbing then then transition into uh, sloth grip? Yeah. Uh, so I've been think. I, I was guessing this question would come, and I've been thinking <laughs> yeah. about what's the most concise version of where did sloth grip sloth grip come from because. It's a bit of a story of kind of what was I doing with my life at that moment and then throwing a whole bunch of things into a blender and uh, seeing what would happen. So, uh, the, yeah, the Cliff Notes version is I had been doing consulting for about 10 years. So I was a market researcher. I kind of go places um, and usually ask the questions in the interview and like, let people talk about their lives and then sell that to some big brand to sell more things to people. Um, so I've been doing that for a long time, really interesting job, but not a lot of purpose in it at the end of the, at the end of the day. Um, and like I was saying, just the hours were crazy. So at a certain point after I got to New York, I just quit, um, which was a little scary, but, you know, decided I wanted to figure out what I was going to be when I grew up. Uh, mm -hmm. and I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that while I, while I had this full-time job. Right. Uh, so so I wandered down to Costa Rica. Um, oh, nice. Partially, yeah, I went went down there. Funny enough, it was I saved money by living in Costa Rica than <laughs> if I had lived in Brooklyn. So I uh, just bought a you know three hundred dollar flight down there. Um, was practicing Spanish, uh, surfing every now and then, uh, and I ended up volunteering at a animal rescue center. Um, so really, really cool experience meeting folks from all over the world, learning a lot about you know just in the short time I was there, conservation, um, and meeting a bunch of sloths. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so, so I came back from that and, uh, I had these two things in life that I, that I had just found that I really liked. So I, I loved climbing. Um, and I knew that I wanted more purpose in my work. So I was kind of looking for what would my new job be? Uh, and answer number one was, okay, cool. I'll go work for Patagonia, a big company. I respect what they do. Yeah. Um, I was in that same boat at one point. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, that's yeah. the dream, right? Go, yeah, go yeah. work for them. Um, and it, it fit my background, I had marketing background. Yeah. Uh, but you know, my, my life and my girlfriend, we were in New York, moving to Colorado, didn't feel, uh, all that easy. Uh, so I actually, Sloth Grip was the name of my personal Instagram account. It was private and I used it to just take video of myself climbing to kind of watch over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, so in that moment I told it to a friend and she said, I'm going to, I'm going to buy slothgrip.com if you don't. And I'm, whenever <laughs> I sell it to you, it's going to be much more expensive than the $10 <laughs> you'll spend right now. Yeah. It's a good uh, name, dude. It is a good name. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so so I just decided, you know, sloth grip should be a thing um, before I knew what it was and then started piecing together. Well, what would that look like? Uh, so the things that I knew um, was that I wanted it to be in the world of climbing uh, and I wanted it to have a legitimate purpose, whatever that was at whatever size I could make it. Right. Um, so we, we started from this idea of working together on problems and projects on and off the wall. Uh, and just played around with what that might be. So it, it took a while before we came up with you know, kind of an old school idea with those embroidered patches mm -hmm. um, that that sponsor specific conservation projects. And we looked for stuff that just needs a few hundred bucks, um, so that there's you know there's some real impact that could be had even if we're running it out of the apartment. Right. Uh, and then I I wanted to start a, a skate surf company. Um, so these two. <laughs> This is, nice. so it's not a, not a concise answer. Um, but yeah, growing up, I, I had a made up skateboarding company called Able Lines <laughs> Sweet. and we'd screen print t-shirts and hand them out at school. Uh, so I just had some fun with 
thinking what would the sloth version of climbing be? And it was kind of more of that laid back attitude. You know, it doesn't matter how, how right. well you climb. Yeah. If you're climbing, you're having fun, you're doing it right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. then, yeah, we, that's kind of where, when I said it's everything that, that I like thrown into a blender to see if other people would get it. I, I really had no idea when I launched the site, I thought, it is a sloth-themed climbing brand that funds conservation projects. And I, this is either the most niche idea in the world uh, or some other people are going to think it's it's cool. Yeah, dude, I, I think it's awesome. And, and one of those things you find with people that love doing outdoor sports is that they generally care about the outdoors, right? They care about the animals that are there. They have a huge appreciation for it just, just from their own experiences outside. Um, and it never, you know, surprises me when I, when I hear people doing things, starting companies that grew up like yourself, like around campfires and and just hanging out in nature. You know, my, my, as, as a child, uh, I was running around barefoot in the creeks and stuff in Florida, making palm frond forts and, you know, all kinds of shit like that. So, uh, once you become an adult and you start realizing, uh, like you did, like, well, there's more you can do with your, your, your skills and your intelligence and your, your time than, um, consulting for a big company or what have you. That's, that's when I think you have, um, some great ideas put out into the world and, and executed on. Um, yeah, I think, I think when you spend time in the outdoors, uh, you want to make sure other people can do that in the future. It's one of those moments of, you know, this was really important to me and it's something that I love to do. And I'm going to have kids one day. I want them to have that chance. Uh, and looking down the road, it's like, let's, let's not screw this up. So, yeah, absolutely. And how, so what I find pretty cool is that part of living down in Costa Rica. It's pretty awesome. I, I thought I was big and bold for, you know, packing up my Subaru and driving out to Colorado, but um, moving to, you know, a whole new country and having that whole experience, um, like what, what did that kind of allow you to do and how did it like change you, you know, as a person? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. So, uh, I was down there for around five weeks. So in my mind, having, you know, always worked jobs that give you 10 days off a year, <laughs> right? I assume that, that, uh, five weeks was the longest trip anybody had ever taken. And it was so, so interesting while I was down there, I kept, you know, I'd stay in hostels and and all of these places where I'd get to meet people who are four months into an open-ended trip and they were traveling around doing a mix of volunteering. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a, a, it is a vacation because you're somewhere beautiful, but it's, uh, it's really just choosing to live in another place. And then a lot of the folks I was meeting were doing like uh, volunteering as a way to, to pay for lodging mm-hmm. and just, um, so there was a bit of an eye-opening experience, I think just coming from the American mindset of how hard we work here uh, yeah. and and being down there and meeting people from all over the world that- so you know, a lot of them different were, lifestyle, right? Yeah, a lot of them were, uh, were you know college students who were taking or taking a year off before college so at some times like god this is a really cool moment in your life i'm kind of doing this at 29 just because i'm burnt out yeah Um, but so there there was that aspect to it kind of thinking about pace of life um Mm -hmm. and just even talking to people who live down there I, i stayed with a little uh Costa Rican grandmother who housed students from the Spanish school down the street. Hmm. Uh, and we just would watch who wants to be a millionaire in Spanish. And she cooked <laughs> me way too much food. Um, that's and not I, a bad I, thing. No, I it was amazing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it was thinking about pace of life differently. And then also just, you know, nature at a whole nother level. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, traveling as far as looking at just Americans and like you said, the mindset that we have of, uh, and I don't know if you were kind of raised like this, but there's always an expectation to go to school, to get a degree, to get that degree so you can get the high paying job. And then, and then what, I guess is the question, but, uh, you yeah. know, get the family or what have you. But that was similarly, I, I did some, some traveling that, that 
has opened my eyes up as well to to kind of priorities you know um you get one shot right on the earth so yeah why why spend it uh doing something that you don't love you know yeah absolutely um just out of curiosity where was where was one of the trips you went to that just like changed your mind or you know one of those eye-opening ones yeah so um when i was a student in college i studied abroad to new zealand right and the similarly like the culture there the people a were so friendly so much more laid back i felt like they were way more in touch with um nature i know that seems kind of corny to say for some reason no it's fair yeah (laughs) but uh you know on average everybody just seemed to have a real deep appreciation for that they they integrated sustainability and environmental stuff into kind of all aspects of their life naturally and um i kind of came away from that experience with a, a newfound um passion for you know sustainability and seeing how I can leverage my my kind of privilege and being born healthy and intelligent and to a family that loves me, you know, so thankful for all of those things, but how I can turn that into something that's going to benefit the world, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I came back from New Zealand. Um, I founded a, a student organization immediately after that uh, at UF called Gators for Environmental Community Outreach, right? Cool. So we got doing cleanup projects. Um, we brought in speakers. We kept the meetings fun to try to teach students, I guess, about environmental stuff. And um, yeah, and that that was like the first entrepreneurial thing I'd ever really attempted, and it and it worked out, and people liked it. And uh, you know, I I people became friends with each other. That was the coolest part about it. And I, I kind of attribute all of that change in mindset to like what I learned out in New Zealand. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Here, I'll, I'll dive into the next kind of question about, uh, your long-term vision for sloth grip. So obviously I think have a brand that's like a beautiful matchup of, uh, both, you know, passions on kind of two sides of the coin. Right. And, and I think you have found something that people are are definitely interested in. Your designs are awesome on top of that. Of course, you know, you got to have a great product in addition to the, the, uh, great cause but what where do you kind of see yourself going with this in the next you know five ten years yeah um so i'm goal number one honestly is just to survive i mean my yeah, yeah. it's it's been an interesting uh so it's been about one year since the site went live so next mm-hmm. month will be the one year anniversary of putting it up um and there's there's over the course of that year, there's been a bit of, you know, I, I said at first it was, am I crazy? This is a thing I like where anybody like it. And so for the first few months I was looking and saying, it seems some people like this. Uh, but I wonder if, you know, three months from now has everybody who thinks sloths climbing and, uh, and conservation, everybody's bought something and, and we're done here. It's a, uh, but as the year has gone on, I've really kind of bought into my own vision, which is an interesting interesting experience that Mm -hmm. this is this is something you know i I get a lot of feedback just people writing on instagram or writing emails in saying some really encouraging stuff about you know the product and and the cause and so uh my my hope uh and my goal is just be around uh and to make sure that this this is something that never loses kind of the original spirit of the the idea so Mm -hmm. uh a lot of sloth jokes, but I'm trying to grow, grow slowly um, yeah. and responsibly. Like the way that I think about it is, um, I have a big sign on on the wall. This is do stuff on purpose, uh, which seems really straightforward. But there's a lot of moments where I've caught myself thinking, oh, we could totally sell this, and we could do this, and right. uh, I have to pump the brakes a little bit and think, oh, is that is that true too? this whole idea of problems and projects, uh, working on problems and projects on and off the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want, I want to grow it. I want it to, to exist in the climbing world and whatever that might be. So there's some product bits of that. It'd be cool to have some more climbing gear, yeah, um, to yeah. have grip trainers and things like that. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, the projects that, that we're funding. And right now we do it through those embroidered patches. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's been really fun is those patches uh, start 
interesting conversations that turn into a lot of people just suggesting ideas that make a lot of sense. So um, to give an example of that, we have this project called Slot Speedways, uh, where in Costa Rica, they hang rope across anywhere where they have to trim trees uh, for new roads or new houses. Right. Um, what, it, yeah, it keeps wildlife safe because otherwise they're trying to cross the roads or use electrical wires. Right. Um, no so bueno. this is <laughs> no right. Bueno. No, no good. Sloth is a sloth is terrible at crossing the road. Um, so this is a project that, uh, that we made a patch for and we were working with the sloth Institute on. And now because we've been talking about it and focusing on it for a little bit, we've run across this idea that climbing rope, yes. um, is really, really strong for the, for the amount of weight. Going um, like 80, 90 slots at least, right? <laughs> can hold so many slots. So many they're, slots. <laughs> they're so safe. Uh, so we, we stumbled across this idea that gyms throw out a bunch of rope when it's dead and it gets frayed and they can't use it anymore. Um, so just from that conversation, I've gone around just to the gyms here in New York mm-hmm. and collected 4,000 feet of rope. I'm gonna, Dude, that's so awesome. Yeah, we're taking it down there next month, uh, piloting the program as long as it works as well as it does in our heads, uh, we're going to start doing rope drives around the country. And I think what's fun is what started as this little patch that donates, you know, nine bucks every time somebody buys it mm-hmm. actually turned into um, something else and something different. And it yeah. it only happened because we existed. So Right. Absolutely. That's yeah, such a good I, idea. It's uh, so I, that's my way of saying I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, it's grown out of the apartment. That was a big step for us to to go get a little studio space down the street. Nice. Um, and I'd love to start selling the patches on gym counters and then, you know, get see see where it takes us. So for sure, uh, ongoing survival is goal number one. And then and some stuff like I have a target. I want I want us to donate fifty thousand dollars to these projects within five years. I mm-hmm. pick that number. Because I feel like it's uh, it's large enough that it scares me, and it's not so large that I that That's I don't impossible. think it can. Right. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's the way to do it. You got to get, I think, have practical goals. I think yeah. matter. Um, and speaking of which, I, I I'm definitely gonna hit up the gyms around here. There's like between Boulder and Denver, there's like at least ten gyms or something. It's it's so ridiculous. So. I'd definitely uh, be more than happy to be an advocate for you guys around here and see if we can uh, get as much rope as possible. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. I so appreciate that. Um, let me know if I can, you know, out here on the East Coast, if there's anybody I can go talk to or anything back your way, just give me a shout. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, like those those combinations that you just don't expect. Like when you're, you're talking about... Uh, different products you can do my my immediate thought was um doing some sort of like co-branded crash pad with organic climbing you know they're obviously an environmentally focused company and um uh, and then your patches obviously would fit perfectly on that so uh, yeah that was just random things that came to mind but there's so many i think opportunities like in this space for you guys to to continue to grow and offer new things to the the people and the slots yeah thanks man i appreciate that uh it's it's since it's a one man operation here, uh, I feel like when I go to climbing competitions and or events or just out by gyms and I'm standing at a table, I end up talking everybody's ear off because I'm like I've been working in a closet for the last <laughs> for the last yeah. week. Um, yeah. So it's really cool to have conversations about all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. I work I work from home uh, for full time jobs still, and then in addition to that, do all of this stuff, of course, out of home. <laughs> so yeah. it, yep. I, I understand where you're at with that. It it definitely wears on you a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what I what I want to try to do now is a, a new segment that I've kind of created. So I'll explain it to you real quick. Uh, it's called the What If. So the goal here is going to be, um, I'm going to throw out some hypothetical scenarios, right? Uh, and we're going to see if like together we can like connect the dots back to how it's going to impact the slots. Um, so it's going to start, it's going to start a little closer. And then, uh, the last, uh, kind of got three scenarios, so we'll see how they go. But the last one is going to be a stretch potentially. (laughs) Okay. 
Cool. You broke uh, you broke up just a little bit there, so I it came back in at the sloths. Oh, okay. I, I, sorry, I missed the setup. Yeah, you're, you're good. So, um, what I'm gonna do is lay out uh, some hypothetical scenarios, right? And we're gonna see if we can connect the dots together of how those scenarios will lead back to impacting the sloths in Costa Rica. Cool. Um, Love it. Yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. This is a totally new new segment, new idea. So, I just think uh, maybe it'll show people how you know things impact other things, and you got to be considerate, right? I like it. Sweet. I'm up for it. So the first one I got here is is pretty straightforward. What if Costa Rica and Nicaragua out of nowhere got into a war? How would mm-hmm. that impact the sloths? Yeah. Uh, Wow. So that's interesting. I I mean, one of the things that that comes to mind is infrastructure when, I guess, I guess when, when there is a war, uh, usually I'm going to guess that new roads are built, um, and trees will be cut down for that. And trees are highways for, for not just lots, but all sorts of animals that live up there. So I could see something like a war, taking immediate urgent priority in the minds of everybody in those two countries. And as they go and they lay down uh, pathways for supplies and things like that, uh, all of a sudden you'd need... Immediate loss of habitat. Like immediate, yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, sometimes it's it's just, it's not that wide. You're just cutting down enough trees for a road, but if that's going through an ecological corridor, all of a sudden you have families separated and, and... that's a that's a big deal for for wildlife that live in those areas. So that's yeah. that's one of the first things that just comes to mind. Yeah, here's a here's a stretch one. What if uh, because of that war, right? Uh, you have supply issues. You know, during World Wars with the U.S., we had to go on rations and so forth. So <laughs> yeah. this is a stretch. What if uh, people because sloths are nice and slow the locals just started eating slots <laughs> because there wasn't uh, much food available. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a uh, bit out there. <laughs> you are, you are right in the fact that, well, so here's the deal. They're very slow, but they're very tough to find. Um, oh, true. so they, they're, uh, they're camouflaged from, from below. One of, one of my jobs at one of the days, uh, was to just count the sloths, uh, that were being, <laughs> that were waiting in the sloth garden to be re-released into the wild. And it's, it's, I knew there were seven slots there, and it would take me so long to find all seven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, poaching, poaching already right. is, is a big deal. And so I, when the rules change in something like war, I mean, that <laughs> I, wouldn't, I yeah. wouldn't put it past Every us. Everything could turn to fair game, basically. You, you have an immediate shift in priorities towards uh, away from altruistic things and towards survival-based things, I think. So in that, you know, you might lose a lot of the, the biodiversity and stuff that's around them as it becomes a little less important. Yeah, I think, I mean, just in the sustainability conversation overall, like that, this is a really extreme example that we're throwing around here. But in general, the whole idea of something else feels more urgent. I, I feel like that's kind of the cause for a lot of the long term damage that, that we cause. Is oh, absolutely. Short term thinking. Yeah. Yeah. No. <clears throat> for sure. So it's it's only going to get weirder from here. So Okay. <laughs> um this isn't that much weirder, but tying back to that, what if then uh there's not a war anymore, right? So wars in the past or whatever. Peace. But <laughs> yeah. And so what if the US then like we kind of did to Cuba for example, put an embargo on Costa Rica? Like I don't know how much Costa Rica might export to us. I don't know how that much that might impact them. But what if economically countries put an embargo on them? Yeah, that's, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm going to make up any response that I have here. This one's over my head a little bit in terms of what what might happen. Yeah, we're just spitting, no facts here per se. We're spitballing, we're spitballing. All right, so let's let's say there's, there's an embargo. My head goes right back again to just the resource conversation changes and the culture I mean, Costa Rica is, an, is a very in, environmentally friendly country. I, right. I remember reading a lot about, 
I think they were one of the first countries to go a year on sustainable energy. I'm I'm using a fact without knowing if it's true, but what I we had I a recent uh, a, a recent podcast episode where Costa Rica was one of our wardens because they they took I don't know if that was it per se, but they recently they took some big measures. I think it might have been against the plastic bags and stuff, those yeah. kinds of bans. But yeah, they're they're very um, eco friendly and conscious. Yeah, so I think you would hope that in a situation like that, that that remains just um, just as much of a focus as it's been. Mm-hmm. But who knows if who knows what sacrifices have to be made when when you have more immediate economic pressures like uh, people need to make money, people need to eat. Right. Uh, I would hope that you know they they already live quite a sustainable lifestyle as is, but. Uh, Realizing I have I have yet to figure out how this impacts the sloths. Um, hey, I think uh, rising anti-American sentiment from the sloths. Now, now they're mad at us. <laughs> yeah, damn in America. Yeah. yeah, my my kind of thought or where where my brain was going with that was maybe, let's see, if we put an embargo or, or other big big nations as well. I'm I'm guessing Costa Rica because of the climate and stuff must export you know, coffee, fruit, et cetera. Um, and if we're no, and with the demand that you hear my bird going off, yeah. <laughs> um, if you hear, uh, Zazzy distracted me so much. <laughs> um, so yeah, if, if, uh, one of the biggest, uh, demands or people they supply their coffee to, right. Just cuts it off just, you know, with the signature on a pin, right. Or whatever. Um, now you have a bunch of jobs displaced and uh, it could immediately take them into some kind of, you know, economic crisis um, yeah. with, yeah, with that economic crisis, maybe, um, uh, let's see, if people can't work, um, <laughs> <he's still laughs> going he bounces, what he does is he'll sit Easy. on his perch and bounce up and down staring at me like jumping. I think he's got an opinion on your question yeah I think he's, he's just, like calling me I got this yeah he's like, he's don't like, worry I'm... he hears me struggling here and he's like dude let me take over <laughs> yeah um uh no I see where you're going there I, I think yeah it's back to that whole idea of when the economic rules change for humans what does that mean for for uh People who can't, you know, not people for things that don't have a voice. It's like the, right, the Roosevelt right. quote. There you go. Like, um, was it nature and wildlife can't speak? So can't speak for themselves. So yeah. we we sh- should and must or something along those lines. He said it much better than I did. <laughs> yeah. um, but but the sentiment yeah. remains. Yeah, that that's, yeah. that's very true. Um, all right, so here let's try this. This third one here is a kind of based in in truth to an extent. So, uh, what if Russia becomes the largest, uh, global cattle, cattle producer raising, uh, over 1 billion cows in the next 10 years, Okay. which is somewhat based in truth. Actually, there was a, a podcast I listened to, um, explaining, uh, that the cowboy culture, oddly enough, is kind of taking off in Russia and they're starting to, to, to raise beef with a, an actual like government supported goal of reaching 1 billion cattle. It's like, geez, it's a lot of farts. So it's a lot of farts. That is, uh, I was just going to say, um, methane is cattle. The meat and cattle industry in general is responsible for a ton of methane as is directly. Mm-hmm. So, so in my mind, I feel like the climate change conversation that already is terrifying uh, becomes even more so terrifying. So, uh, not knowing exactly how it would play out, uh, in a place like Costa Rica, but I, I can imagine rising global temperatures, uh, no, no bueno for, uh, for sloths in terms of anytime you mess up any part of a, an ecological equation, mm-hmm. uh, things start to break down and fall apart. So. Right, the web the web begins to crumble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sea, yeah, I, sea level rise might, because Costa Rica probably has a lot of valuable oceanfront property as well, I imagine, right? So with yeah. if that accelerates kind of global warming, then, you know, we, we know the sea level rise is coming with that. 
And uh, another kind of recent interesting study I saw was saying that um, the increase in, in uh, the greenhouse gases may not actually accelerate the growth of plants as apparently was once thought, uh, because obviously mm-hmm. the plants are feeding off of that. Um, but the temperatures might throw off weather, soils might get more dry. Um, and then because of that, you have a big uh, desertification problem, right? And Costa yeah. Rica is so lush, of course, so I, I don't know if it would necessarily happen there. But um, Well, even, even if you think of, um, so let's say that when, when the whole world gets quite a bit warmer, a lot of, I think the number one, uh, the number one, export import costa rica is big on tourism and tourism is where they right, get right. so much of uh so much of their money and so uh let's say places around the world are a little bit warmer for a little bit longer mm-hmm. um and maybe costa rica is too warm to visit or, uh so the tourism industry can get uh impacted messed up and then all of a sudden we're back to the same conversation around how can a country who already has really great priorities in terms of sustainability can they what happens when when you take away one of their main products right yeah Yeah. does does the ecotourism like help fund or feed into uh the sloth conservation a lot or is there any connections there yeah it's it's interesting so um this is going to be one of those one of those areas where i'm going to tell you what i know Mm -hmm. and it may uh it's, it's also based in what, what I've heard. Uh, so, um, there's, there's the positive and the negative version of it. I mean, there's, you'll see, uh, places like the Sloth Institute, uh, will post about no sloth selfies and, and what they're talking about there is there have been, uh, places who, because sloths are popular and sloths are, are cute, um, they'll raise sloths. They'll charge tourists to get their photo taken with them. Mm. Um, and it's very much treated as a business. So when the sloth gets too old, it's then, uh, it just, right. It chills, Mm. it chills in the back of, uh, behind the curtain and it's not, it's not for the animal's benefit. That's interesting. I Um, didn't know that was a thing. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sloths. I mean, so one of the things is sloths, uh, they're solitary creatures and they shouldn't really interact with, with humans. Um, so while I, while, yeah, while I was working, um, at the animal rescue center, uh, of Costa Rica, that one of the rules was you, you don't touch the sloth. You don't interact with the sloth. Um, because the hope would be that they're being released and they should be scared of humans. It's it's healthy for them. If they think that they, when they slowly make their way towards you, you're going to have food and friendship. Uh, that's not a good thing. Um, So, so yeah, I think tourism is helpful in, in some ways because it brings money in and with money you can run projects and right. do research and things like that. Uh, but then there's, there's the flip side of that if it's, if it's not handled well. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, I would have never guessed that that was a, like a thing in the industry or it, but it makes total sense now just thinking about the nature of the animal. It's like, they're literally just chilling in the trees. Like, like why, yeah. why would they like a human, you know, coming up and messing with them or trying to take pictures and all that? I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah, it was new. It was new to me too. So I think it's one of those things where I saw photos of people hanging out with sloths and I thought that seems yeah. great. Right. I'd love to do that. Yeah. I'd, um, or even now, every person in my life uh, sends me. If there is a sloth article on the internet or a photo, I'm going You're to the sloth have guy it. Now. Yeah, I'm the sloth yeah. guy. I'm going to have it texted or emailed to me ten times over. Um, so a lot of people will say like, "Oh, would you have a sloth as a pet?" And or say something like that because sloths are cool, and we all agree that sloths are cool. And that was actually a learning for me at the beginning of this. Is I, it's not good for the animal. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's it's that would be a selfish thing that that I wouldn't do, and I didn't know that at the beginning. I mean, this is something yeah. that you you learn as you go, and you try to make better choices. Yeah, although I mean, sloth as a pet sounds awesome, <laughs> but that's where you have to think about things, you know, a little differently. Right. Were there any other things that you kind of learned about about sloths or, or the wildlife out there that that you know you didn't think of before or wouldn't have wouldn't have expected? Uh, that was probably one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think, I mean, just fun facts. Uh, there were moments where, you, you know, you can visit a place uh, I'm going to forget the name, but you can you can visit a place down there where they say, oh, 60 percent of the birds on the planet are here. And it's like wow. that's that's just a fascinating moment of the biodiversity available in some Central and South American countries. Um, that's that's cool. I, I guess in yeah. terms of learning, uh, I think when I learned that fact about sloths and sloth selfies, um, I I can now bring it up in the conversation. It would be a fun guy at parties, uh, but I can. <laughs> It comes up in conversation. Then you learn things like um, it, the the elephants um, in certain countries where it's a big tourist attraction to go and spend time with the elephants and get your photo taken with them and things like that. Right. Um, but you then find out that that is something that's not always well regulated. It's sometimes awful for the animals. Uh, so I think there's a bit of just eye opening across the board that whenever if it feels like there's a touristy thing taking place with wildlife, um, do you be cautious? Yeah. That's yeah. a really good point, especially for, for anybody listening, that's going to go to Costa Rica or Southeast Asia, any of these places where it's, you know, popular to, to interact with whatever their kind of popular animal is from that place. Right. Definitely, yeah. definitely do your research. Cause you don't, you don't want to be spending your money on something that, you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. And if you did, you wouldn't support it. Right. So take a little bit of time there. That's, that's a good tip. Yeah. I mean, you get a, you'll get a nice photo and an experience out of it, but, um, you know, it's, it might not align with your values. It's one of those things where it's like, you go, there are a lot of photos of slots on the internet and they're all (laughs) awesome. You can follow us on Instagram. Like there, there there's photos out there. Um, so Photoshop yourself into them. I'll help you out. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a, a new function on your website to bring in some traffic. Photoshop yeah. yourself in with a sloth. <laughs> we have these uh we have these like little sloth claw like transparent sloth claws that I'll I'll just put on people's climbing photos and send them back to them in, nice. on Instagram. So I'm like, hey, I made you a sloth. That's pretty funny. That's good. Yeah. Um sweet. So uh We'll transition now. I got there's a couple of questions that I kind of like to ask every every guest that we have on here and um, on the spot, and we always get a fairly wide range of of answers in these. Um, but uh, to start off, I guess how if you had to to explain you know sustainability to a toddler, you know four or five year old, in, in like the simplest terms, or show them. Like how, how would you go kind of go about doing that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so I'll caveat with, I'm the youngest on, on almost youngest on both sides of the family, but definitely (laughs) youngest in my family. Mm -hmm. So talking to kids is not a, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm getting better at it because I have a niece and a nephew. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to practice here. Uh, I think, I think I'd kind of explain it to them like sharing or, playing fair like it's kind of link it back to some some sort of principle that they probably hear in in regular life about toys or things like that right it's it's an idea of like playing fair with the planet like with the uh with the plants with the animals with whatever is important here Mm -hmm. uh if you make a mess if you kind of aren't thinking and you waste, I guess, I guess they've learned a lot of things at that age about, like, oh, don't, don't leave food on your plate. Don't let things go to waste. And it's, it's that general principle, but applied to, uh, the earth and, yeah. and the, the plants and the animals on it. So I'd, I'd probably go towards something like, yeah, cleaning up your room. Yeah, don't leave a mess. Grounded in that reality for him. Yeah. I like yeah. that. That's, that is a new one. We haven't heard of, uh, like, like when you spill something, right? You don't just leave it there. That's, I think, an early thing that that yeah. sometimes you'll teach a kid is like, hey, clean up, you know, pick your toys up when you're, and, and that kind of thing. And um, Or it's it's kind of a mean example, but if they have a toy that they've broken, like if they've, if they've, if they've had a toy and they're like, ah, oh, I was playing, I was playing with it in a way I knew I shouldn't have, and then it broke and now we don't have it anymore. 
just sustainability is a little bit like that yeah, at times. Okay. Where it's like you, now you don't have you it. Got, that sucks. Right. You gotta, you gotta think nicely. Uh, it's, it's not easy to teach, I guess, consequences to a toddler, but somebody, maybe it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, <laughs> I have this tying back to, um, that, uh, club that I, that I started in college. We, we were getting some inroads to be able to hopefully do lessons in elementary schools around Gainesville. And, uh, one of the ideas that we had was to try to teach the idea of, um, oh, I'm going to blank on the term right now, aren't I? Yeah. Of course. What is it? Um, you know, when you're sharing a finite amount of resources, right? If people Mm -hmm. take, if everybody takes as much as they can versus as much as they need, then there's always a loser, right? There's always somebody left out. So, and it would have been so mean, but we were going to bring in, you know, Starburst or something, right? And uh, only have enough so each kid could have one. But we're going to say, hey, we got some Starburst here. You know, line up, take as many as you want. And at least one person (laughs) is going to take more than one. And then uh, we're going to look at it and say, hey, um, you know, these guys were at the end of the line here and they they didn't get any. You guys want to share with them or something, right? Yeah, or we would just have more Starburst hidden and give everybody all they want. But right. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to let it sink in for a moment first. <laughs> right, right. And then make sure that you bring it let up. It let it simmer. Let a kid cry or two, you know, let the life, tears roll. <laughs> life lessons brought to you by candy. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's, a, that's a good idea. I mean, uh, so I don't remember. I read a quote somewhere. Somebody said uh, that's a different topic, but it was the idea of like, don't look into don't, the only time you should ever be looking at how much somebody else has is to make sure that they have enough. Yeah, it's like, that's yeah. just, a, that's a cool, cool thought process. So yeah, like, I, I, I think even as kids, it's one of those things where there's Starburst in front of me. I like Starburst. I want three of these. I right. haven't, I haven't thought about Jimmy and Timmy at the end of the line mm-hmm. who are going to be sad in six minutes. It's like, it's, it's kind of, you know, going through that process to have people be a little bit more thoughtful. Yeah, and I that that keeping up with the Joneses attitude that's you know especially prevalent in America. You know, if uh, if you're always uh, focused on what your neighbor has or whatever, you see them roll in with a new car and you know little things like that. It, oh. it kind of uh, because we have this like consumerist ego or whatever. Stuff matters so much to us. It it just triggers this little thing in our head. We're like, damn it, my TV isn't seventy inches. Oh. <laughs> yeah 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 well hopefully we can um you know reach some more kids and uh provide any any like parents or whatever that are listening this is the real talk you gotta have don't worry about the birds and the bees it's all about the the sustainability (laughs) yeah it's interesting so in my my other life the marketing consulting life um Mm Uh, we would do a whole bunch of trend work and we'd talk to run focus groups and talk to like the next generation. And, um, from, uh, from everything I've seen and heard, uh, the, I think it's Gen Z, Gen Edge, whatever you want to call them, uh, the next generation coming up, they kind of, they buy less stuff. Uh, they, they have a pretty cool attitude about a lot of things. Um, and even looking around at my own, friends and, and things like that. It's, it's funny coming from a company that, that sells products. Uh, but I buy way less stuff than I ever used to buy. And I'm cool with that. Same. Uh, yeah. and, and I would tell other people to buy less stuff. I think that's why when you're talking about shoe dog, like that, uh, the reason that, that, that book scared me a little bit, but not so much is that I don't, I don't ever want sloth grip to be the size where we have to make stuff to sell it, to survive and if we don't, we're throwing it away. Like right. right even even right now when we have we have some extra t-shirts that I didn't like the I didn't love the quality of them. Yeah. But after I washed them ten times, uh, they fade. And so trying to find a use for them, like we're we're now giving them out at park cleanups and oh, that's cool. doing things like that. And it's it's like yeah, buy less stuff brought yeah. to you by 
I think Patagonia was one of the first companies to be really cool about that. And oh, say, yeah. They had a huge ad campaign that ironically led to a big bump in sales. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's just how humans work, though. We think buy less stuff and you're like, oh, I believe I buy into that message. Let me support right. their company and buy their stuff. <laughs> it's really yeah. ironic. But um, yeah, I bet my big thing is like this is this jacket's the most recent thing I got at a at a thrift shop here. I've, I pretty much only buy things like certain pieces of gear that I need, you know. I'm from Florida. I didn't have shit for winter. Yeah. I'll tell you what, like <laughs> I yeah. got out here and you know, this past week we had a negative eight degree night. I wasn't ready for that. So, uh, yeah, hit, hit the, if you are going to buy stuff, hit those thrift stores up. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. It's there. It works. Like, yeah, absolutely. Huh. Um, so the next one I got for you, uh, what are some, some ways I guess in your own life being somebody that's conscious about the issues that are going on that you feel that you could improve as far as being like more sustainable and more, um, mm. you know, eco-friendly or what have you. Yeah. Uh, improve. So one of the ones that we, that, uh, I've been doing recently is, uh, the less plastic, yeah. uh, less, less plastic <laughs> is something that I'm really excited. It seems like, um, seems like everybody seems to be on board with that as a need. I was talking to my mom, uh, and she, she just tossed out the Keurig machine and, nice. uh, was saying, um, she, she's like, did you know how much plastic is in the ocean? She saw photos of the collection of it and, and was pretty angry at how long that's existed. And she had no idea it was there. She's like, this, yeah. why, why don't more people talk about this? And why should, why isn't it more of a thing? Um, so we've been we've been on team tote bag to the grocery store, and then even uh, like little pillowcases that uh, for produce, um, stuff. produce and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So so that's one of the areas that that we have made some strides. But to to your question on what could I be doing more, um, I think the fact that I'm blanking means the answer to that is research. I remember growing up, there, there was always go. that's really good. There's like. Yeah, there was tips. It was like, hey, you had that commercial that if you ran the water, it kind of showed you the pond was was lowering and there was a cartoon fish who was really bummed out. So I remember turning off water, turning off lights. Like we grew up talking about that. That's Uh, awesome. But the list of, I haven't updated my list in a long time. Uh, I I ride my bike or walk uh, to work because it's close. That's the one good part about a city for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I think I think it's time to to look stuff up and see see what else I can be doing. Yeah, that's a good point. It's constantly reevaluating. Like I, admittedly, my worst one is probably water use. Um, I have this like addiction to like hot showers, <laughs> and I've been in and out of the habit of you know shutting the water off while I lather. And that was something I hadn't heard about until fairly recently because of a podcast of a guy in California, and they have those drought issues, right? Yeah, and uh, I was like, "Oh shit!" I I'd never even I never even considered it. I never even considered it. And but uh, it's hard to sometimes work those new things to be really routine, like especially when it's cold, you know. And I'm yeah. on the lower floor, and I'm like, "Oh, just a nice, nice hot shower." Hits, you know. I don't know. There's something about it, but yeah, no, it's not. It's <laughs> like the the prisoner prisoner's dilemma thing or this this moment of you know everybody else is going to run the shower and this is awesome uh so why would i turn mine off um (laughs) but that's good i mean i i don't turn my shower off when i lather but see now i've learned something yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give that a shot uh give that a shot yeah that's a good one um but yeah so hopefully everybody and that's that's kind of honestly while we're here is to try to as a media company, I guess, be entertaining and introduce people to more ways that they can, um, improve their own lives and, and more opportunities that they can support, of course, good companies like your own, your, your own, um, to, to help give back to the world. Yeah, it's awesome. I like, I, I mean, I love, love your guys' mission and that idea of just talking about things like this. And I think what's important is, uh, I'm not going to lie, coming into this, I was a little bit, um, worried that I was going to say something and look dumb and not be, (laughs) not be sustainable enough. And then I had a moment of, well, I'm trying. And if I'm, I think that's part of it. It's just like, you don't have to know every possible thing to do. And we're not, 
hopefully you're not judged for not having known that or or having done that so far but yeah try learn that's what it's about i hate yeah. uh there, there's a big issue i think right now in the world of sustainability that's setting like like people that don't may not know a whole lot uh see an impossible standard like a, a zero waste video that goes viral right and they're just yeah. like holy shit i can't do that that's crazy and then yeah. so they don't they don't um take into account the steps those people took to get there and see what they could actually easily incorporate into their own life. So we're like all about, you know, practical sustainability. Like I understand that we're humans. I understand not everybody can afford to do X, Y, and Z and, and everybody's going to have, you know, their different areas that they struggle in and trying to reduce their, their footprint. But Damon, as long as you're trying, like, yeah, we'll get better as a country. We'll, you'll get better as a person. And, and the, um, the, the growing trend, I think, and, and being conscious about everything is, is gonna continue to spread and, and ultimately improve things and make it for the better. So. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree that, that idea of, like, this isn't an exclusive lifestyle. There's no shaming. Yeah, it's not a it's, club, man. There's no yeah. club here. <laughs> we're, we're all it's on a human team. club. Yeah. <clears throat> Same team. Planet should stick around. Yeah. Um, and it's in the, we should just be as responsible as possible. I think, you know, <laughs> I wish corporations had this, had these conversations, you know, not to go down that path, but it's, it's exciting when you talk to uh, other people. Yeah. And you, you hear people getting on board with this and, and some big companies are, are on board with it, but right. It's getting yeah. more popular and, and big corporations are taking notice and, and I think making real efforts to, uh, realizing, I guess the size yeah. of their impact. I think a small change in a massive corporation can be a, a kind of big change in, in the broader picture. Right. So uh, I'm definitely encouraged with, with where things are going. Um, I'm glad to see more companies uh, like your own and more people like yourself trying and and doing something that matches their their passions with kind of altruistic motives, um, and the world's going to be better because of it. So, uh, I think Thanks, with, with that, I'll. Uh, what are you know some things going on that you guys have that we can put out there to the world and ways that you know they can support Sloth Grip and and the sloths. Yeah. Uh, so always, I mean, slothgrip.com is the, uh, is the website that just talks a little bit about, uh, whatever projects that we currently have going on. So the two, two ones that we launched with, um, were sloth speedways that, the uh, one that I spoke about a little bit earlier, um, where working with the sloth Institute and Manuel Antonio national park, hanging, uh, ropes in trees, non-invasive pathways. It's it's a very cool project, and depending on when this comes out, hopefully we'll be talking about rope drives and Sweet. how to get. If you have a climbing rope that that's done, um, you know how we're interested in it. So we're we're going to figure out the shipping and the logistics to make yeah. that all work. Yeah. Um, but hopefully that that project is moving forward like we think it is. Um, so you can always check out the website to see that project. Uh, there's also some cool stuff going on with the Toucan Rescue Ranch. So they're just outside of San Jose. Um, we we have patches and badges that support them and some of the work that they do. Uh, and then we just launched a new badge. So when I say badge, it's like an embroidered patch and button where we give all of the profits to specific projects. And this new one that we're rolling out has uh, smaller suggested projects from, from the community. And so on that yes. one, um, yeah, we're really excited about it because it's something that uh, we can raise $200 for a single piece of equipment. Like the first one um, is we're trying to buy a, a fire prevention kit um, for some conservation education work that one of the, uh, the, a uh, biologist I met when I was in Costa Rica, kind of on my trip, she's now doing work in Indonesia with orangutans. Oh, nice. And yeah, and you know, we're, we like sloths and we like orangutans too. Pretty much seems like yeah. uh, anybody that, that hangs out in the trees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so you can always check out what projects are going on and then suggest projects. Um, we're pretty, uh, shoot me a note, uh, Kevin at slothcrypt.com, only, only employee here. Uh, and we're, we like to support 
anything you're doing in the community. So if we can shoot over t-shirts or just get a group together, if you're doing park cleanups, things like that, um, it's a pretty broad definition in terms of what we'll get involved with. So, yeah, Instagram and, and the website are the only places uh, to check us out. Um, but I would suggest to send us send me a note if you're interested in doing something because uh, we're pretty much crowdsourcing ideas here. Nice. And um, last, or I guess real quick, what were the, the two main institutes that you guys are donating to again? Yep, so the, the Sloth Institute. Um, you can go straight to their to their website and they have some cool stuff that um, if you want to skip us and go straight to them, we're all for it. Uh, they do awesome, awesome work. Um, and if you go to their Facebook their, or their Instagram, they're always posting pretty actively about, about what they're up to. Nice. And the, uh, the Toucan Rescue Ranch as well. So same, same deal. They're on, they're on the social media um, and are talking. Uh, Toucan Rescue Ranch takes in wildlife that's uh, captured by po- reclaimed from poachers, from illegal pet trade or found injured. Um, and they'll work with rehabilitation and release of the animals when possible. And if, if not possible to release, they can live out, um, their life there as, as a sanctuary. Nice. That's both great causes. So, um, be sure guys to support Kevin and sloth grip. And in addition to that, you know, check out the nonprofits there. Nothing's stopping you from donating directly. Um, you know, and, uh, I guess that being said, um, that's pretty much it so thanks for listening guys again check out slothgrip.com and remember protect your wild thanks again guys for listening and shout out to valleys who created our theme song very appreciative for that lastly don't forget again to subscribe leave us a review let us know how we're doing uh and you know share with your friends find us on instagram and all that stuff at out the lifestyle See what else we got going on at outthelifestyle.com.